Welcome to episode 37 of the Ask Achieve show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be discussing how much protein you really need, portion control at a tapas restaurant, shoulder pain, and business coaching. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. Was that a little sniffle there? I did a little sniffle. <laughs> I was hoping nobody would hear it. Ro- roll reversal, because I'm usually the one that's extremely stuffy. I'm actually getting stuffy just thinking about it. Half of it's definitely mental for me, because as soon as I think about dogs or think about cats, I get stuffed up immediately. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Yeah, it was. I was trying to hide it. It was like, just a tiny little sniffle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so it's episode 37. Uh, we talked about the powerlifting last time. Um, anything we need to talk about? Anything new? I don't know. It's only been two days. Uh, the baby is the size of a navel orange. Is that what you said? Yeah, that's what the Navel said. orange, yep. 15 weeks today, so very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's news, I yep. guess. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we can get right into it today. Yeah. Let's do it. We've got four questions, so we might as well. All right, let's go. All right, cool. So question number one, this one came from Sandy K. Yin, and they asked, how much protein do you really need? Simple question. Pretty straightforward. Um, so the USDA uh, recommendations for protein intake are are very low. So I believe there it's 0.8 to 1 gram of protein per kilogram of body weight. Um, or like you can think about it as per like two pounds of your own body weight. So say you're 150 pounds, um, that recommendation would tell you to get like between 50 to 60 grams of protein or sorry, like 60 to 70 grams of protein. Okay. Um, something like that. Um, this recommendation is for a sedentary lifestyle that takes, it doesn't take activity into consideration. So it assumes that you're a sedentary individual who's not doing a lot of activity. And also it is the minimum amount to not be deficient in protein. Yep. So it's not necessarily the optimal amount. Um, And that's, I think where a lot of people get confused and a lot of people think that, um, people's recommendations for protein are too high uh, because like, oh, the USDA only says like 50, 60 grams. Like you're telling me way more than that. Um, But that really is a recommendation for not to be deficient, um, which isn't, doesn't mean ideal. So for a, an individual who's very active and especially for somebody who's strength training, we actually usually recommend, and this is based off of a lot of research that um, organizations like Precision Nutrition and lots of other Um, much smarter scientists have done than us. Um, They recommend 0.8 to 1 gram per pound of body weight. So that means a 150-pound individual would get somewhere between like 120 to 150 grams of protein a day. Um, So big increase there. Yeah, anytime we mention that to our members or anyone who we uh, are corresponding with, it seems like a lot. Um, But, I mean, it's just just kind of the nature of if you're trying to build lean muscle mass, you're strength training, and you're trying to improve your body composition, and you're working out hard, like – that's what you, that's just what your body needs in order to sustain that sort of level of uh, activity. Right. And so what happens is that if you just added that much protein to your diet without changing anything else, you would probably gain weight. So people are like, "Oh my god, I can't add that many calories," right? So yeah. instead, you have to think about like where you can take other calories out. Usually people are 
having too many carbs. Um, so typically we would think about lowering that carb range a little bit while we up that protein range so that you're still getting in the same overall calories in a day. Um, but we're just shifting to a little bit of a higher protein diet, maybe a little bit of a, a lower carb diet. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons why we really recommend protein supplements. Um, it's just a good, easy way to get in a quick 20 to 30 grams of protein, uh, while also adding in minimal amount of calories as well. It's probably like I don't know, 80 to 100 it's like calories. 80 to 100, yeah. Somewhere around there. Um, and it's just a good way to get a quick dose of protein after your workouts as well. Um, we just picked up a new protein brand. It's called Ascent Protein. It's relatively new. Um, and we're looking forward to test that out. But it seems really good. Basically, if you're um, looking for a protein at home, find one that is the, the predominant ingredient is whey protein isolate as opposed to concentrate. Um, if, if it has concentrate, that's totally fine too, but that's what you're predominantly looking for. And then also the ingredient list should be like max five or six ingredients. Like there shouldn't be a whole like laundry list of chemicals in there. There should yeah. be just like some natural stuff in there. Um, and not much beyond that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you, you'll want to get, if you like care at all about your taste buds you'll want to get one that's slightly sweetened <laughs> yeah because if it's not it just is going to taste like so bad Yeah, we think so, a little stevia is totally fine yeah the one yeah. the ascent has stevia in it so something that's like slightly sweetened um doesn't have to be sugar but it like just a little bit of sweetener somehow um i think just helps you to it helps it to go down a yeah easier. mix it with water mix it with Almond milk, regular milk, or have it in or a, a shake. shake. Yeah. yeah, you can also put it in um, your oatmeal in the morning. That's one way that mm, I've snuck some extra protein in. So if I have oatmeal in the morning, I just put a scoop. I make it like a little more watery than I would if I was just doing straight oatmeal, and I put an extra scoop of protein over it and just mix it in at the end. And it the vanilla like really makes it taste really good too. Yeah. So that's another quick option for, or, and then just as a snack too, like if you aren't working on that day, working out that day, but you're still looking to up your protein intake, you can just have a protein shake and a piece of fruit as like a midday snack. Yeah, that's true. So, so yeah, so about 0.8 to one gram per pound of body weight is the typical recommendation for an active individual who's looking to optimize their protein intake. Sweet. Cool. All right. Question number two. This one is from an achiever. This is from Daniela. And Daniela asked, I have to actually find it. Um, she said, how do you exercise portion control when you go out to eat at a tapas place? I continually fail at overeating when I'm only given small plates to share as they are ready. Um, and this can be, this can be really hard. And this is a, it's a specific question, but it's also kind of like a question about what do you do when food keeps being presented to you. <laughs> yeah, right? that's like, a tough exercise in willpower and yeah. mind control, one that I just will not be able to succeed in. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, Jason's answer is you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you just eat as soon as more food comes out. <laughs> um, but luckily he needs to get in a lot of calories in a day, so he doesn't usually worry about portion control. It's really funny, um, like whenever I go to families that are like, happen to be like Italian or, I mean, even like Asian families, like where eating food is like a really big part of the culture and even like a Jewish, Jewish families Jewish, as yeah. well like people love me in those types of settings because I just will <laughs> put down food <laughs> I'll never say no um, but that's so, the opposite so approach. I'm going to answer this one as somebody who does practice portion control um, in most situations so um, in a ta tapas restaurant 
What I typically do is I try to have like, first of all, you know how much you're you're ordering as a table, right? So like, say there's going to be eight different things coming out. Um, I definitely want to try them all. Like that's not, so I wouldn't like say, pick the ones that you don't want to try or anything like that. I always want to try them all. Um, so I choose like the one or two that I want to be my main kind of meal. So a lot of times for me, like I, I eat meat. So the ones that are going to be a little bit more protein heavy, um, maybe there's going to be like a chicken dish or a beef dish or something like that. I'll choose those as the ones I'm going to have a little bit bigger portion of. And then the ones that might be sides, I'm going to try to have just a bite or a taste of those. And so that way I don't feel like I'm depriving myself overall. Like I'm not just having little bites of everything. I'm having a couple where I really do, um, have a little bit more substance, um, but everything else I'm kind of treating as like a taste test. Yeah. Would you, I mean, would you recommend having some sort of like pre-meal where you have like some sort of salad before or something or would that defeat the purpose of it? Um, I don't know. I guess it depends on the experience you're looking for. Like I wouldn't want to because I, I want to try all the food. Yeah. Right? Like when it, when it's a restaurant also, I think to like, Sometimes when it's a restaurant situation and it's a special occasion, like I don't imagine that Danielle is going to top us every day. Like I think this is <laughs> probably a special occasion. Like those are the times where I am not as uh, focused on portion control, except for just still listening to hunger cues and trying to make sure that I'm not stuffing myself. Like I don't get to the point of feeling uncomfortable, yep. but I'm also not as concerned about like, is this more than I normally eat or mm-hmm. like, am I, cause it's a special occasion. It's a little bit, one of those times where I feel like I can go a little bit beyond what I might normally do. And that's fine because it's such a one-time thing in the yeah. grand scheme of things that one time isn't going to make a big difference. It's not going to make or break your results. Um, so just kind of also planning around it, I guess if I were going to plan around it at all, it would be that week, kind of taking a look at my week, if I know I'm going to be going out to a restaurant that week, really trying to make sure I'm being really good, like at home and planning all my meals out that week and trying to make sure that I'm really on top of everything so that when I do go out and indulge in that one night, I'm not feeling bad about it because that indulgence is not going to make a difference. It's about, you know, 5% of everything I ate that week. And it's really not going to be a big, have a big impact. Yeah, true. A side note on tapas bars. So my dad, at one point, had opened up a tapas restaurant, and um, I was with Lauren's, uh, Lauren's, Lauren's dad, Bob. We were out kayaking at the Cape, and he was just asking about my dad's like latest venture, and uh, and I was like, oh yeah, he's actually opening up a tapas bar, and he was like, oh okay, cool, and like no follow up question, which I thought was a little bit weird because he's usually just inquisitive about that sort of stuff. Um, and he was like, okay, cool. You want to go back inside? And I was like, sure. And we just paddled <laughs> back inside. And then two days later, uh, Bob and Leslie, Lauren's mom, call us, dying laughing, being like, basically Bob thought I said topless bar. <laughs> but, you know, he made no judgments. And he's just like, okay, cool. All right. I guess that's what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. And if you know my dad, it's like classic. He's just the most chill person in the world. So he's like. Cool, whatever. Right, cool. <laughs> no whatever, judgment. You, know. uh, so <laughs> you gotta make money, right? <laughs> yeah, but I guess he like went so he spent the whole weekend thinking that my that Jason's dad opened a topless bar and then when they finally got home he said to my mom, like as soon as they got alone, he's like, Did you know? Did you hear <laughs> that Jason's dad is opening a topless bar? <laughs> I think he was like, Jason just said it so nonchalantly. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. Oh, <laughs> uh, so funny. So um that was a tangent, but <laughs> a <laughs> good one. Now I've been one. like and really a nuts like top buzz. Topless. It's hard yeah. to it is hard yeah. to say without sounding like you're saying topless. <laughs> um so yeah, I mean I guess overall 
strategy wise that that might not be super helpful except for having the idea that this is a time where you can not worry so much about portion control as long as the rest of your week has been going really well and also i like the idea of having a couple picking out a couple like favorites that you want to focus the majority of your eating on and then have everything else feel like you're doing like a little taste test yeah cool cool all right, we're going to go into a slightly more um, complicated question about shoulders. So this one is from Indigenous Rebel, and they said, Good evening from Phoenix. I have a quick question about a potential topic, rotator cuff exercises. I have shoulder issues, but not yet needing surgery. When I play softball and throwing hard, I get pain in the top part of my shoulder, and I thought I'd never do any strength exercises to increase my mobility and overall strength. Do you think you could show us some? Um, or talk about some. Okay, so in terms of shoulder issues, uh, we would actually recommend rotator cuffs be probably our very last recommendation. I mean, we, we definitely want them in the program if um, if you're having some shoulder issues, but it's going to be a less significant thing than um, some of the strength training principles I'll talk about right now. The main thing that we're going to be concerned about when people present with shoulder pain, um, especially at Achieve, we basically want them to get um, in a position where they're not in pain. And usually where they're in pain is overhead or something approaching overhead. So like an inclined dumbbell press or even a bench press where their arms are about 90 degrees away from their um, sides. So we'll start them off with things like deadlifting where their arms are by their sides or farmer carries, things that tax their grip. The more you work your grip, the more that translates to actual stability throughout your shoulder. So you're actually getting some rotator cuff and shoulder stability benefits that way. Um, and then over time, as they get more and more um, proficient with the movements and they feel a little bit less pain, we start to sneak their arms a little bit further and further closer to that overhead position. So let's say we're starting with farmer carries and deadlifts, and then we progress to, let's say, a plank where they're at that 90 degree position, but they're on their hands or their forearms, and they're just statically maintaining that position. If that starts to feel good, then we'll go into, let's say a push-up, where they're at that 90 degree position, but now they're moving through it dynamically and actually going through that range of motion. We'll also throw in some TRX rowing, where again, they're at that 90 degree position and rowing back and forth in a more dynamic fashion. And then we'll start to get into slightly more overhead positions like um, an angled barbell press, sometimes it's called a landmine press, or an inclined dumbbell press, um, angled uh, pull-downs where they're not necessarily pulling from a fully overhead position, but a slight angle. Um, and then eventually, if they want to, um, get into overhead pressing or pulling, like pull-ups or military pressing and things like that. Um, so that's the general progression, but we always start with people with their arms by their side, working their grip and uh, working other parts of their body while their arms are by their side. Yeah. So it's a lot of, a lot of it oftentimes is just getting also getting stronger overall and moving better overall. So mm -hmm. yeah. while we're working um, deadlifts and farmer's carries and those things where we're not really getting a lot of um, range of motion strength training wise, we are still working on range of motion um, with our own body weight. So we're doing some shoulder mobility drills and thoracic mobility drills. Yeah. Um, a lot of times the shoulder joint isn't what's tight. It's the T-spine. It's the thoracic spine. Yeah. So imagine like, so if you were to slump over in your chair or while you're standing right now, really round and create like a hunchback situation and now maintain that position 
as you try to bring your arms overhead. And what you'll find is that you'll, you'll be very limited with your shoulder mobility. But as soon as you open up your chest, get a little bit taller, that shoulder mobility just naturally improves. Not because your shoulders are more mobile, but because we've loosened up your T-spine a little bit. So we do a lot of T-spine extension as well as rotation mobility work. So things like laying down on a foam roller and we'll roll upon the um, upper back, your T-spine. And then from there also perform some extensions where... You sit your butt back down on the floor and extend back. You can even do that in your chair. If you're sitting in one right now, you can be sitting upright and try to like position your back up against the um, the support and then hands behind your head, elbows together, slowly pull yourself back into an extended pattern. Um, you should feel some stuff open up throughout your uh, chest and your upper back. I'm doing this right now, by the way. It feels great. <laughs> um, a way we work uh, T-spine rotation is to get on all fours. And from there, sit back towards your heels. And then from there, let's get your right hand behind your head. And you're going to reach that right elbow all the way down towards the floor, towards that space between your left hand and your left knee. And then from there, reach that right elbow back up towards the ceiling. You're going to rotate through your chest, your shoulders, look up towards the ceiling and breathe out. That's one way we work T-spine mobility there and from a rotational standpoint. Um, So yeah, so we get strength training done, T-spine mobility work done. And then the final piece to all this is the rotator cuff uh, exercises. So just doing basic stuff like um, standing um, external rotations with your elbow by your side or laying down on your side doing sideline external rotations with a dumbbell. Um, Really nothing too fancy in terms of rotator cuff work. It's exercises that most people have already seen before, but it's because it's part of a comprehensive program that all those layers start to um, complement each other, and it just creates a much better healing effect than just doing rotator cuff exercises alone. Yeah. Um, So I think that that's a really important piece is that this, this individual is having a hard time when he throws, Um, and so throwing that throwing motion, especially throwing a baseball or a football that requires a lot of mobility and a lot of range of motion. And if you don't have that natural range of motion and you're forcing it, then doing more rotator cuff exercises, isn't going to help you be able to get that throwing range of motion more natural and to be able to do that more naturally. So it might help you to stable. It will help you to stabilize that shoulder when you're going through the range of motion. But if you're already limited, in, in your T-spine mobility and in your shoulder mobility, it's it's not really going to be an overall fix. Um, exactly. You're still going to have pain every time you throw until you actually open up a little bit more, get a little bit more mobility, um, and get a little bit stronger overall. Yeah, and I mean, we haven't even talked about breathing and core work and hip mobility and things like that that all play a huge role, especially if he's a throwing athlete. So, yeah. Um, you know, we probably recommend seeing either another physical therapist or seeing a some sort of strength and conditioning sports performance coach to help you out and get a, just a good comprehensive plan together that's not just purely rotator cuff exercises. Yeah, in this case, I would recommend finding a good coach because it sounds yeah. like, I mean, a PT is mostly going to give you rotator cuff exercises, most likely, yeah. unless they're a little bit more in the strength and conditioning side well, of things. Yeah. Um, but a coach is going to be able to 
to integrate it into a routine like Jason was talking about and integrate it into like good core training routine and good mobility and flexibility routine. So I would, I would look for a a good coach out there. Yeah. That's going to be a worthy investment for your health. Absolutely. Cool. All right. And then the last one is from Dana G716. Did you say that's Dana? That's Gold Dana, yeah. So she used to be, I, I just tried to say her last name and I can't. <laughs> she used to be a member of Achieve and she moved. Um, but she said, hey guys, I have a quick question. Do you have business training or were you naturally good at all of this? Oh, that's nice. <laughs> um, definitely not naturally good at this. Um, so, I mean, we hired business coaches right from the, right from the get-go because um, mm-hmm. we knew that we weren't good at it. Or, I mean, good at it yet, I guess. Um, so we hired, um, the Cosgroves over at results fitness who have been instrumental in, um, in what we do. Um, and beyond that, I think it's just like, we're just willing to be bad at things mm-hmm. and work at it until we get good at them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think yeah. that's the big thing. Like, cause everything that we do initially is pretty bad and we're a little bit embarrassed about it, but then we just put it out there or do it and execute it. And then we just react to the feedback and then. Tweak it, tweak it, tweak it until it gets to a point where it's like, oh, we're doing pretty good at this now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when we first opened Achieve, it was we knew to hire business coaches because we were pretty good trainers. Like we were like we pretty, pretty confident in our abilities there. We had six years under our belt of going to so many conferences and seminars and workshops. And so we were confident there. But we knew that in comparison to all of that learning that we had done in the exercise world, we had done zero in the business world. So we we were like, we need to up our game really quick. Um, So we hired mentors. We hired coaches, Alan and Rachel out in California. Um, And then we also started kind of just switching our reading materials up. So instead of reading, uh, you know, anatomy based books, we were reading more business based books. So we did do a lot of reading early on. And um, mostly early on, the reading materials were about like, our vision, our core values, um, customer experience and service and all those things. And then, um, they've grown into evolved into like growing a team and how to manage customer experience and marketing. Um, I would actually say that our lack of background in business has helped us out in business. Yeah. Because had we (laughs) gone to school for this and understood like all the numbers and understanding what KPI and ROI and all these like little variables that we like most people think you should be keeping at the highest level. We instead just went a lot based on feeling. Mm -hmm. And because we were very clear in our vision, our mission and our core values, we basically all of our decision making were were basically guided by those principles as opposed to guided by numbers. And when numbers and financials and other business metric things uh, become the forefront of your business, then that's when businesses start to lose a lot of their soul, a lot of their ethos, um, and things just don't run as smoothly because there's no greater purpose behind it. Um, so I think because of that, it's actually been kind of a blessing in disguise that we haven't had any sort of real business background. Because I'm sure a lot of business majors would probably look at um, what we do from a decision-making standpoint with our financials and be like, what are you doing? That doesn't, that doesn't bring ROI back to the business. Yeah. But we know that it does improve just the overall culture and the community and serves our mission. And then eventually it'll come back to, um, to uh, you know, give us return on our investment financially. But that's not our number one thing. And it just happens to benefit us. 
Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think I was literally thinking kind of the same thing. Like we we don't make the quote unquote smartest decisions when it comes to like yeah, sometimes financial decisions. Yeah, honestly, totally. <laughs> um, we pay our staff like very well, very well, much, more much than, higher than the average. More than the average, like trainers. We there's all these, but the decisions that we like the ways that it's not that we're like throwing money around. Yeah. We're more that like certain decisions we're making because of our heart and our like passion for this field and our passion for making achieve and this industry, like elevating it, like Mm -hmm. just elevating it and to elevate it, you need to change it. Like things need to change. And so one of those things for us was like customers or like the experience has to come first. So we're going to put money into things that most gyms wouldn't put money into. Um, like having parties and (laughs) like, you know, like we spend so much money on wine <laughs> the gym because we want people to have a good time and we want to make sure that they're feeling like cared for and that we love them and we want to show them that through alcohol and food <laughs> and you know fitness yeah i mean we pay our staff really well our payroll is about 55 to 60 percent of our gross income um, compared to most strength and conditioning and fitness facilities like where it's more in the lo- along the lines of 25 to 35 percent um, but we knew that we didn't want the same turnover as all these, these other businesses. We wanted to uh, make sure that we paid them well because we wanted it to be a career. Yeah. So many personal trainers burn out within a year or two because they're working these insane hours, but they're also not getting paid enough. So it's hard to see in the future these things pan out if you're really struggling to make ends meet. So um, that's one of our big things is to make sure that it is a career. So we provided benefits, which a lot of these other places don't do. Um, and just, yeah, just treat the staff well, basically. (laughs) Yeah. So, so it's funny, I guess a lot of our, and yeah, so a lot of our lack of background has been super helpful. And then there's now, there are still some things that we're like, we should probably know more about that. (laughs) And we, and we do, we try to learn, we try to keep learning and keep growing as business owners, especially as our business grows. Like we, Anytime your business grows, you have new things to worry about and things to think about. And so we try to keep up with all of that and just kind of like roll with the punches. And I think that's the biggest thing is that we're very able to um, adapt. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Um, We're able to adapt to whatever situations come up and um, quickly kind of rotate and pivot and figure out different ways to make things work. So, um, yeah, the business coaching has been absolutely helpful. And then the naivety has also been helpful. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. There we go. All right. Well, those are our four questions for today. Bonus question. A little, little bonus in there. Um, I think that's all we've got. Cool. So if you guys could send us any more questions through DM um, at Achieve Fitness Boston um, on our Instagram page. Um, Also, if you could leave us a review on iTunes, that would be greatly appreciated. And until next time, peace, love, and and muscles. muscles.